Hey guys, happy Thursday. Usually we're here on Monday for I Could Never Be. We have a special episode today on the Popcorn Talk Network. It's going to be a great episode, a very inspirational episode. And, you know, this seems like the time of life. It seems like there's certain times of life where there's ebbs and flows. And if you're, you know, know someone who's maybe in college or high school, we're at that point now in May where people are graduating and it's maybe an ebb and a flow or a change in life. And so if you're listening and you're going through one of those, you are in the right place. As with any show, I start with some advice for a better life. And my advice for a better life this week came from the professional sports drafts which are going on. This week was the NFL had uh, the NFL had their draft a couple weeks ago. The NBA had their draft lottery to determine who gets picked where, what teams get to go where. And that is a very important lesson because in life we all want to be chosen. We all want to be picked. Whether that's by friends or family or relationships and you're like, man, I want to be the one. I want to be chosen. I want everyone to like me. And the sad fact of life is that not everyone is going to like you probably. There are going to be times when you're not going to be chosen. And I reflect on the words of Tim Tebow when he was coming out and it was very controversial of, is he going to get drafted? Who's going to pick him? And he said, I don't need all 30 teams in the NFL to choose me. I need one. I need one team. So I think in life, we always kind of look at things and say, I want all 30 teams to love me. All 30 teams are not going to love you. Not everyone is going to be majorly on your side, but you don't need everyone to be on your side. Focus on the one. And if something happens, you know what? You don't get picked. Guess what? That's not your team. Focus on that next team that's going to pick you and do everything that you can to get picked. Certainly that is your advice for a better life today. Then that sports analogy certainly flows well into our show today, considering our guest is a former professional athlete. Not only that, but we are covering his incredible book today, The Greatest You. I was reading through this, so many good nuggets in here, such a positive and inspiring, easy read too. Excited to talk with him. Please welcome Trent Shelton. Trent, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming in, man, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you writing this book too yeah because you know obviously a lot of people follow you and i think with 15 million and just to be able to just open up again and so i want to just commend you on coming in and and writing this book and again i I said it i was reading through it i was taking a bunch of different notes it's very inspiring it's raw and that's that i love that about you i love you're brutally honest yeah gotta be you say gotta be so how, how take me through like how is has that always been the case uh, maybe not as vocal, but yeah, for sure. I mean, of course, I went through my times in life when I, I've always, I've never been a liar, but mm-hmm. I just never faced my reality and my truth, which is a big part of that book. And so, uh, I just felt the freedom in you know, showing my struggles, showing the things that I, that I deal with, because we live in a social media era where, as influencers, you know, we think we have to be perfect all the time. So I want to be that guy to let you know, no, life isn't perfect. You're going to go through your trials, your tribulations, but this is how you get to it and get through it. Mm-hmm. And I just make, I think it makes it more relatable for the people who follow you and support you. So mm-hmm. it's changed my life. It's just freedom. Even your your Instagram, the name is it all starts with you. Yeah. And you put it back on people. Yeah. I'm saying like, I'm going to give you the game plan. Yep. I'm going to give you the steps, but I can't, I can't live your life. Yeah. I mean, 
It all starts with you came from me looking myself in the mirror and me telling myself that. And I told myself it all starts with me. I mean, change, uh, it starts with you. I can only, even now, I can only influence change. I can't change your life. You know, people mm-hmm. say, oh, you changed my life. No, you have to take that responsibility over, over yourself. And self-responsibility is a superpower because mm-hmm. even if you're in a situation where, you know, something may have happened to you. So you look at my story at the NFL, I could easily blame the coaches. I could have blamed certain circumstances. But as long as I kept blaming them, it kept the power in their hands. And so when you say it's on me and let me do something about it, you take that power back in your life. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I always said it. it all starts with you. Absolutely. We're talking about Instagram. I want to uh, shout out social media at Trent Shelton, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Certainly grateful to be here every single week on the Popcorn Talk Network at the Popcorn Talk on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can follow me after the show at the only MC on Instagram and on Twitter. And since we're live, we have a live chat going on right now on YouTube. Several people, dozens of people watching in the chat. If you guys have questions, shout them out if they're. If we're talking about something you want me to ask a follow up or you want some more clarification, put it in there. I'll be able to work it into the show. We're also available on on Apple iTunes and wherever you can find a podcast. If you're maybe driving, you want some motivation. Aside from everything that Trent puts out, which is incredible, you guys can find us there. This book, again, I, I just I, I love the rawness of it. I thought it was a really easy read, too, where, where it's not. I mean, sometimes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You talk about the high-low in here, which is good, too, because you talk about the lows of your career. You talk about the lows of your life, but then there's the high of like, hey, you can do it, too. What is, you know, the the general message where you have someone reading this, and if there's one thing that you can have someone take out of this, what is it? Your life isn't over. Your current situation is your final destination. And, you know, no matter what you go through, like, you can turn your pain into your power. So when people read that, I want them to know that there's another chapter to your life regardless. And you know, a chapter is named after that. Just because mm-hmm. you had some bad chapters doesn't mean your story can't end well. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want people to take from it. Yeah, and you're talking, you're talking here about the rain. And like you need the rain. The rain helps you grow. You talk about purpose in here, which is yeah. an incredible chapter. And I'm excited to talk about that because it's like, can your purpose change over time? And I wonder that yeah. for you, of like you, you were in the NFL. You, you were in professional sports. Now you're doing your inspiration and motivation. And you talk a lot about purpose. Do you feel like your purpose has changed throughout? Or are you now, there's just one purpose and now you've been building up to it? See, that's what it is. So for so long, I thought purpose was tied to a platform, tied mm-hmm. to a position, or tied to a title. And over the last probably two years, I actually went back and wrote, rewrote some of that chapter. And you'll see it's, mm-hmm. uh, it talks about you are purpose. And that's how I view purpose now. I feel like purpose is who we are, who we were created to be. Um, I feel like it's not tied to anything external. I feel like it's an internal thing. And you literally, when you look at it like that, you can lose your job. You can lose your, what I call placement. You can use your position. You can lose your position. But if you know that, if you know who you are at your core, you will never lose yourself in that. So now I can take my life. I wish I knew this with football, but when I lost football, I lost myself. But if I would have knew like I'm purpose, okay, cool. Football's done with. I didn't want it to be done with, but you know what? I can take my life into this avenue. Mm -hmm. And so rehab time, even now, I don't say it's my purpose. It's just the avenue for me 
for my life to be used the best. And so if rehab time ends, I can take my life somewhere else. And so I believe yeah. you are purpose. Yeah, I was going to say that the line in the book is that purpose isn't tied to a job or an action. Purpose is you. That's right. And so that goes through the ups and the downs. And that's a big thing because, again, the ups will come. The downs will come. Uh, you've been you know, very open uh, about you know, obviously the NFL and your struggles. I want to take it way back, as I love with the show, but very beginning. Uh, competitive nature is obviously a big thing. Yeah. You, you can't be in professional sports <laughs> and not have a competitive nature. When did that begin? When did you first remember being competitive? As soon as I was born, I have two older brothers. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm, a, uh, I'm the youngest of three. And, you know, they're probably watching this. It was super unfair because it would be like both of them versus me. You know, I watched the video not too long ago of us growing up. I'm like, how does that work? Isn't it supposed to be like I'm supposed to get the like at least one of you guys versus, you know, it was always them <laughs> two versus me. But it paid off because it taught me how to, you know, even grow up and just taught me how to compete. And so when mm-hmm. I got to kids my level, my age, it was like, oh, this is easy. And so it started since rivaling sibling rivalry since I was, I mean, born. How old are How old are they? And so uh, Terry is four years older than me, and Todd is is eight years. So 41. oh, so yeah, you're not like a one or two year nah, difference. Like you could saying, maybe no. eight years. Exactly. <laughs> He's yeah. got eight years of life experience. That like good luck. Exactly. So, but I give a lot of my credit uh, for my growth, um, especially in sports, to them because I mean they molded me and groomed me since I was little. Was that ever like you were too competitive? Do you- um, probably so, but I'm not the guy that's like, I don't know, aggressive with it. I'm not, you know, um, but I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it's time. Like I was, a, yeah, I was a sore loser for sure. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, that would be definitely uh, a sign of that. Like I hated to lose, you know, anything. I would cry. I would be the kid that if I lost the game, I would cry. It hurt that bad. <laughs> Seriously. That, hey, but that's how you need to feel that pain to be able to grow. Yeah. To be able to be like, I don't want to feel this pain again. That's it. That's what, how many times have we seen that professional sports where like a team loses Virginia this year in the yeah. NCAA. You lost in the first round last year. You didn't want to have that happen. You came back and you won the championship this year. I think, you know, learning how to lose is a big part of your journey. And I mean, even mm-hmm. talking about sports now, like I tell my son all the time, like, hey, the particip- the participation medals, like you got eighth place. Like <laughs> we got to learn how to lose, you know, and um, I think that's a big part of life that. You know, the society really isn't teaching kids much. You know, like losing comes with it, and you can learn from your losses more than you learn from your wins. How does uh, you being a dad impact like the messages that you spread, and you know the the way you push people and the way you interact with people? It's everything. Uh, you know, because my life is bigger than me, and for me, um, it's about leaving a legacy. Um, I want to be able to give my kids and. You know, I, I guess that fatherly mentality goes into the world now, too. But I want to be able to give my kids like seeds and tools that they can use to build their future, because so many adults that I talk to are still trying to recover from their childhood. And so I didn't want to be like that father. You know, I didn't want to create that. I want my household to be a place of peace, of function for them. And so I can give them the right definitions. I was blessed to have that in my life with my parents, uh, the right definitions and the right tools to build a great future. You mentioned, yeah, in the book, your dad was a pastor. What impact? I mean, obviously, you're all about positivity now. Was that, you know, enforced when you were younger of being in that, you know, Christian or positive household? Yeah, my dad's like, he's super cool. So he's not like the pastor that's like, you know, (laughs) making you got to do this. Like my dad is really chill and laid back. But uh, 
as I grow, I really realize how much uh, from a speaking standpoint and just the encouragement standpoint. I mean, my dad is an extrovert to the fullest. And so I definitely took a lot of that in from him and what I do today. When you said you were an introvert growing up. I'm, I still am. Yeah, to you this still day. are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's what people get confused. Like, it's not introvert and extrovert is not how much you enjoy public speaking. Yeah. It's where you get your recovery, I think, exactly. right, is what I, they say. I'm a, like, I'm not a shy person at all, but, like, I'm just a thinker. Like, I'm a creative, so mm-hmm. I like to chill and be laid back. I don't like to say much. You know, my grandma told me this a long time ago. She always said, when you speak, make sure your words count. So I just make sure they count when I speak. Mm, <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that. How old were you when it was like, all right, the NFL, this is an actual possibility? Uh, like seven. Seven? Yeah. I didn't even know you could realize it's yeah, seven. That, that's what I'm saying. It was super real for me. Like, And the reason why is because I had examples. So when I grew up in New Orleans, I lived across the street from a Saints player. Uh, mm-hmm. Geno Atkins is I mean, outstanding player for the Bengals, pro bowler. His dad, Gene Atkins. Stayed across the street from me. So, like, literally, I would, I know them, you know, so I would go over mm-hmm. there and I would see it and he would bring this around. And, and so I'm like, oh, this is, this is real. Like, cause when you are disconnected, like, you just see somebody on TV, you think it's like a fantasy world. And yep. so now it made a reality. Then my uncle, who coached for the Chargers, uh, now he was coaching even back then. So I was able to get around Jerry Rice and, and see it. And so it was very real for me. So I was like, okay, it's real human beings that breathe. Mm-hmm. This can really happen. And I set my eyes on it ever since I, I mean, I can remember. Yeah, and you were a star at uh, Baylor. Yeah, and a star wide receiver, and uh, you didn't get drafted, which you talk about again the openness yeah. in the book. You didn't get drafted. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. How long was that night for you? The draft night. It was super long. I mean, it was a two day back then. It was a I think the draft was three days then. It's, um, it's three days now. I think it was yeah, two, two. It was two. Yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, it was two. And so uh, the first day, I wasn't expected to get called on the first day. And um, second day, though. I was just waiting around, and my mom would keep coming back to me. Are you okay? You know, people would text me, all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I was really teaching myself then, like, not to deal with my reality because I wasn't all right. I was like, man, like, I was supposed to go fourth round to late round. It didn't happen. And right after the draft was over, my phone was ringing off the hook. But I was worried that my dream wouldn't come true. How did you handle pressure at a, at a young age of, like, you said from seven, you were like, this is, you know, I'm yeah. sure you're telling people and like people are looking at you as a star athlete and you know, adults recognize that kids are like, yeah. oh, man, that kid's got <laughs> something special. How was there pressure and how did you handle that? I'm sure it was pressure, but I didn't even, you know, looking back, I don't even think I understood that there was pressure because it's just like this is what I love to do. It wasn't any other option for me. You know, it wasn't like, you know, I have to get a scholarship and all these things are just literally me having fun out there. And I think ever since I think my parents created a great environment for, for that and my brothers too. So even if I had pressure, I loved it. I mean, my brothers, we would practice like in end of the game shots all the time, every single day, mm-hmm. you know, we would practice big plays. Oh, it's fourth down and you got to make the play. And so that happened in real life. You know, I was just mm-hmm. preparing myself for it. Mm-hmm. So I think if you put yourself in those pressure moments uh, often, then it takes away from it being pressure when it actually happens. When you joined up with the Colts, was it the environment that you thought? or what, I mean, having lived next door yeah. to an NFL player, did he prepare <laughs> you for that environment life, too, of like what it, that next level? Which, like, what part of like the environment? I like, guess just the, getting there. The lifestyle the, or just the, the, the team? More so, like, the, the team. Yeah. The team, yeah. Um, It, it, it wasn't what I, exp- I mean, I, I guess I kind of should have expected it because I was around it somewhat. But it was kind of a, a letdown a way of like you build this this massive thing up mm. like a dream, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, and then once it wears off, once you get over the fact that you're next to Peyton Manning or Reggie Wayne, guys <laughs> you look up to is like and they're human beings, you know, then it, you kinda get over that. But actually it's a good thing because now 
it makes it again like super real. And you realize, okay, I have to. I'm, I put on my pants the same way these guys do. I got to show up and I got to produce and I got to deliver. Isn't it amazing when you like look back on life? And there's times when you were really nervous. You're like, oh, I don't really know what to do. And then you get through them and you look back and you're like, oh. And then the next time you go through something, you're like, they're, they're the same as me. Exactly. They're, like you're talking Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne and everyone back yeah. there. I mean, it's like Jeff Saturday. You're like, oh, yeah, exactly. What? Okay. I'm the, I'm the same the way. Same. How long did it feel like when you got, because you got hurt, you know? Yeah. How, you know, you fought for it for a while. Yeah. You fought and you were like, all right, I can do this. What was the what was the final straw mentally of being like I I got to get this looked at I got to do something. It was so I was hurt the whole pretty much the whole season, mm-hmm. but I wasn't hurt to where I would sit out of practice because if I sat out of practice I wouldn't be on the team no more I would get you cut. have everything on the line yeah so I was popping literally p- pills I mean hmm. to cope with it like Viking mm-hmm. it literally at practice and the final straw was it was a Monday night game. Um, San Diego Chargers, and I was going to get it activated. Like, it was set in stone. Coach Dungey came up to me. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, Trent, we need you this week, and you've been proving yourself. I'm like, cool. But that whole week, my knee was just flaring up bad. Like, And I was literally limping around. I'm like, man, you cannot show him that you're hurt. And I couldn't fight it. And he comes up to me on Thursday. He's like, hey, you know, we can't use you. You know, I'm just, he said, Coach Dungey's a, a mm-hmm. nice guy, so he said in a different yeah. way. But he's like, we can't use you. Um, you know, you're not 100%. And right there, like, all the air just deflated out of my life. I'm like, man, that was my shot. And I never got a shot again to really get on the field after that. What were your emotions? Anger? Mad? Sad? Um, it was all of that. And I just, I remember I just went out that weekend and I just tried to cover it all up and try to make, ignore it. But of course, you can't run from yourself and you have yeah. to face that reality. So yeah, I was angry, mad, hurt, sad, all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talk about that's the closest you got because there were other opportunities with the I think with the Redskins, the and Seahawks, and the Seahawks. Yeah. yeah, that things came. Well, how long was the fight to stay in the league or to get in the league? Is that two years? I mean, you talked about that. It was in the three. Book, but it was it three. was three. Yeah, that's usually it's funny because a lot of I don't know if you ever heard this analogy, but NFL stands for not for long. Not for long, exactly. Yeah, so, and you touched it. Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's the whole joke, <laughs> man. And uh, my third year, and it was funny, you know, because. Going into my third year, uh, it was 2009. That's actually when I started rehab time. And it's funny because, like, even though football probably, like, I knew it probably wouldn't work out, but I knew I had one more one more tryout. And mm-hmm. so, like, rehab time, I was like, okay, it's rehab time. Mind, body, and soul, I'm going to be mentally prepared. I'm going to be the fastest I've ever been. I'm going to be, like, just sharp. And so I ended up going to the workout. I ran, like, a 4-3. They signed me. But it's funny because I feel like, you know, God used – that you know vehicle the redskins to push me into rehab time because it started to like me working mm-hmm. on myself mm-hmm. and i got covered the redskins or whatever but i was in a better place mentally to handle it then i was gonna say did you start rehab time for yourself big time it was for nobody else i never wanted to be a speaker it wasn't like i'm gonna start a social media platform i'm gonna make videos rehab time was for me like it was to rehab my life mind body and soul literally even now with all the content that you put out i mean they're getting millions of views on social media do you rewatch your own messages just like yeah. to let them sink in? I do. Sometimes I watch it as a reminder. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I come across certain messages that even to my older ones, uh, certain videos. Like I mean, one of What's my your first... favorite. Man, I know I'm asking you to choose between your kids. My favorite probably would have to be. Let me get two. Okay. So yeah. your life isn't over. Spoken word. Uh, 
that was dedicated to my friend who committed suicide. And that was just, that was a hard one to write because I just knew it would impact so many people if I just had the right words. And then uh, Be Free, my very first spoken word recorded with my with my guy Shane um, because it was literally a conversation with myself. Like, I just want to be free. And that was like words that I was writing to myself. And to see people relate to it was it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Again, if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, I know you have a huge, like, I think 10 million followers on Facebook. On Facebook? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you guys aren't following him on Facebook, definitely go Trent Shelton on Facebook, be able to check that out. What were your, I mean, people think NFL and they think, oh, glamorous, making yeah. millions yeah. of dollars, <laughs> all that kind of jazz. I'm sure you've heard that time yeah. and time again. Yeah. What were your living, situ- break us down the I real living situation <laughs> that you were in. Yeah. So. A lot, of, a lot of people think that, right? So everybody's asking for money. So uh, I'm that like, third, if y'all... that third cousin once removed, exactly, yeah, yeah that came from nowhere. Um, <laughs> I had to like ask my parents, like, are we related to this person? They hit me up on Facebook, and they're like, no. Um, but yeah, so I was on practice squad, so I was making probably like, you know, probably seventy five thousand. But you got to realize, like, that's when I'm uh, on the team. I was getting mm-hmm. released here and there, and so I had an apartment, had a roommate. Luckily, he was on active roster, so whenever I got cut. Like, it was cool there. And then mm-hmm. at home, I was living with my mom yeah. and my dad. I was in my, my parents' house. Wow. I stayed there. And that's where I was at, man. So it was it was a lot of money for me at that point out of college. But, like, looking back, like, I mean, you got to realize, too, it's going to end at some point. And you don't get paid outside the season. You just get paid for those weeks. And so I didn't budget well at all. And uh, it was it was tough. And, again, one of the things I love about you is you're open, both in those videos but also in the book talking, like, you know, you, you try to have to you're trying to portray that image, too, because yeah. even and there's nothing wrong with that of like, I'm an NFL player. Like you got to hold your stature. Anyone who's here have friends who are actors and, you know, they might be driving Uber or doing whatever. And it's like when someone asks you, what are you? I'm an actor. Yeah, I'm an NFL player. Like you want to be able to have that confidence. How can that be? Do da- you see that as dangerous at all, though? It's big time dangerous because mm. your identity. like we just talk about identity like. At some point in everybody's life, I feel like there was a time when you were told you wasn't enough, right? Maybe it's a job you went to, me, NFL, and what you do is you're like, okay, well, I'm not enough, and you believe that lie, and then you take on another identity that you think will make you enough, and you think that the world will relate to. So for me, while I was getting cut, I was like, okay, well, I can't show people that you know, I had to go buy the things to make up for it. So literally, I bought $10,000 rims, which is, uh, still hurts me to, to this day. I bought, you know, a watch. I had to buy all these things to fit this identity of being accepted by my peers. I mean, growing up, that was the picture of success. Like, I'm a hip-hop kid. Like, okay, mm-hmm. it's X, Y, Z. You got to get cars, girls, the all outside. these things. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, it's very dangerous by defining yourself by the things of the world. So the question that I would ask people listening is – like, if you couldn't define anything which you shouldn't, anything externally, right? You took away your titles, took away followers on social media. Like, who would you be? And you really need, I think that's what life is about, discovering, rediscovering, peeling back the layers, unbecoming, and seeing who you are at your core because that's where your superpower is. Mm-hmm. You mentioned people, anyone listening. I mean, we have, you know, again, dozens of people in the chat right now. I want to shout out, uh, Jesse Lynn says, who are some of your role models or biggest influences? Yeah. Um, outside of the obvious with my brothers and my dad. Uh who are some role models for me? Uh I, I love J. Cole. Hmm. I love J. Cole. Um I 
Jonathan Evans is a person that some people might not be familiar with, but he's a guy, like I said, Dr. Tony Evans' son. Uh, he really helped my life and spoke into my life. And uh, Tupac was one of mine, too. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Musicians, especially. I mean, they're writing lyrics that, like, you might just, li- it's not until you sometimes just see them written out where you're like, ooh. Yeah. Like that. That's like words to live by, and it's its own inspiration. Uh, you had a line, one of the best lines that I love from this book, is you said, quote, I was fast during tryouts, but I was even faster <laughs> from running away from the truth. Yeah. I mean, I just want to pause for a second, because that's a great line. Because you were, I mean, 4 3 I was 40, fast too, yeah. I like, was that fast. says something. That's not like me running the 40 in like six seconds. That's a four three four. I mean, that gets that gets mentioned on ESPN now. If someone yeah. from the NFL Combine does that, talk about that. Tell me about what truth you were running away from and how you were running. It was a few. It was one. Um, you know, of course, the sports. I was running away from the fact that it was over. Um, especially even after the NFL, because I was still trying to play arena football, which I mm-hmm. hated. And nothing wrong with people who love it, but I hated it. I didn't want to be there. But I was still trying to hang on to this significance thing and even the little money that I was getting at that time. And another thing was during my football career was, you know, my situation with my son and mm-hmm. getting now my wife, Maria, pregnant at that time. And it was very unplanned. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tristan changed my life forever. But I was running away from that because I had a girlfriend at that time. Mm-hmm. And so that was hard. It was, I mean, it was, I was getting cut. And then on top of this and getting advice from my friends telling me to hide it. And I'm like... That's not who I am. And so mm-hmm. facing that reality was very hard, but it was the best thing I did because, uh, you know, in order to get to the other side of something, you have to go through it. Did you have to, you know, throughout this whole process of from the NFL world to the motivation, inspirational world and have to cut people out of your life and to clear you talking about your friends who are like, oh, you need to hide it. Oh, you need to do that. And I feel like that is definitely something that's, you know, relatable to anyone listening here is. You have people in your life who are maybe you're like, oh, but but I know them, but they're close. Like, how how did you handle that? Yeah, I had to. Um, I mean, I think people know that too, just by my content. I'm big on releasing and moving, removing mm-hmm. people from mm-hmm. your life. And the way I like to look at it is bridges. So with the people in your life, you have to think about it, and even your own habits. But we can focus on people. They're bridges, and mm-hmm. where are those bridges leading you to? That's a chat. That's in the book. Yeah, that's a huge part of the book is bridges. <laughs> Burning those bridges, yep. and I had to burn bridges. And you know, it's easy to burn bridges when you know a person's bad for you. But also, there's people who aren't bad people. They just aren't leading you to where you want to go. So I have friends that literally they were good people, but they were watching me destroy my life. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, a real friend will tell you, "Hey, bro, you're tripping. Like, you need to get it together." And so I knew. I couldn't be around those people or the mindset, the lifestyle that they were stuck in. I knew I couldn't be around that because mindsets are contagious. And Mm -hmm. so an exercise that people watching can do is so simple. It's like write down all the people in your life that are your friends and write down a D or E. A D is they drain you or E is they energize you. And so if they're like a call a CD, like consistently drain you, mm-hmm. you have to get those people out of your life and you have to learn how to love them from a distance. Yeah. And that's and yeah. Love them from a distance is the best thing because you're not like, oh, I, I, I hate you. I'm yeah, never cut, totally cutting you out. But there is a thing where it's like you only have so much. The biggest thing I've learned now, like you have 100 percent like mental energy and any negative in that is only decreasing the, the amount that you can use. That's right. And so if you're if you're spending 25% of your day or even 10% of your day focusing on me like, oh, well, this is negative. This sucks. This is it. Like you're 90% and that leaves you 10% less than <laughs> everyone else. I'm big on protecting my peace. I mean, that's I talk about that in the book, too. But I'm protecting my peace always. And 
I I prioritize my peace. So when people ask, how do you make that decision? Peace makes decision for me. If you take away from my peace, I'm not going to be around you consistently. It's just sorry, you know, because I have yeah. to be the best me, not just for my family, but for the world of people who need me to be. When you realized you were done with the NFL, what was your mindset and emotions of like, what next? Yeah, it was. I didn't know. You know, um, when I was done with the NFL, I still tried to pursue football, but I knew, you know, I say I didn't know, but I knew there was something inside of me mm-hmm. that was bigger. I just didn't know what that was. And it took me walking into my biggest fear or one of my biggest fears, which is public speaking, which is pretty much everybody's biggest fear. And once I walked into it or, or started to, I started to con- connect the dots because this, you know, in the, in the church where we call it callings, um, mm-hmm. prophesying, you know, and yep. people speaking into your life, this was on my life since I could like five, six years old, there would be people be like, Oh, you're going to be like your dad or you're going to be a speaker. Or, you know, I talk about the story in the book where I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma for arena football and I'm yeah. in a church and the guy calls me down. And he's like, Hey, you too. And I'm just like, this is weird. I'm not coming to church to get called out. I'm like chilling in the back. And he spoke into my life and was like, you're going to, you know, he asked me what I did. And he's like, it's not football, but it's like, you're, you're created for something bigger. And I see you speaking to millions of people. And I'm just like, Okay, whatever. I, w- I want to play football at that mm-hmm. moment. And so I started to connect the dots, and this has been in my life since I can remember. And it's just crazy how that works. Yeah, when that guy said that to you, you read it in the book, and I was like, it was that like a 95% like, 95% like, man, you're crazy, but 5% like, but what if? Yeah, well, yeah. it was just like, because I, at that moment, rehab time was started, right? Mm-hmm. But rehab time was still kind of for me. I had my shirts. And so it was like the, re- I call it the rehabish phase. I was like one foot in, one foot out. <laughs> The progression phase. And so when he said that, even my quarterback was like, you know, he kind of nudged me. We left. He's like, you know, he's talking about rehab time. And I was like, yeah, man. But I just didn't want it to be that because yeah. being a speaker just wasn't the thing that I wanted to be with my life. I still wanted to be a football player. Well, I think and you're talking about the another word, that another word that's used in the church is like planting a seed. Yeah, you go. And that's so much of like what life is, is you'll look back and be like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Look, look at all the seeds. Yeah. Look at all. And you don't realize that when they're getting those little nuggets getting dropped. What do you – obviously starting rehab time. Yeah. What were you doing for money? I mean, what it, what kind of jobs are you working? Question. Because, like, people look at podcast. Anybody can start a podcast, yeah. put some content out. It's great. Doesn't pay right away. What were you doing? So I was using, like, what I knew. So I was training kids. Okay. Like sports training, you know, training them to be receivers and things like that. And then – I have to humble myself, and there's nothing wrong. Anybody watching is working at 24-hour fitness or being a trainer. But for me, you know, like, I'm the guy from the city that made to the NFL. So me working at 24-hour fitness is like, why are you working here? And so I had to, like, literally humble myself. And that really, like, it changed my life there because mm-hmm. I'm able now. I mean, I, I taught – it was called Nike Training Club. And so uh, I would do these classes, and it would be like – you know, first it was like 20 people. Then it would be like 100 people. Then the classes would sell out. And I was literally speaking to people's lives, motivating them, of mm-hmm. course, having them work out. Mm-hmm. And so literally I was training myself to speak and motivate every three th- three nights a week. Mm-hmm. And I was getting paid $20 a session. Yep. You know, Luckily, I had some parents who, who helped me out a lot in the process. But, yeah, that's what I was doing. And I just grinded like that, man. Yeah, it's what it is. Yeah. I mean, so many people, that, again, it, and it's so contagious because of our phones right now. And it's like you're trying to put this image on Twitter and you're trying to put this image on Instagram of like, oh, look what I'm doing out with my friends on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what are you? what is your day job, though? 
And how many people, there's no shame. When I first moved to L.A., I was driving Uber. I was driving Lyft several years ago. I I painted a house. that (laughs) The money I got from painting the house definitely didn't equal the work that I got put in. My friend was like, I'm going to give you several hundred dollars. We got, it's easy, easy, easy. I think I got $125 after working three days. And I'm like, what are we doing here? But all those, and I'm sure you can attest to this, you build the foundation. There you go. Like all of those little things, you can relate to that one person. I'm sure you use the stories now where it's, oh, I did that. Oh, that was me. And like you're building that foundation. And talk with people how important that is. Everyone wants to be at the the 110th floor of the skyscraper. There you go. But without the foundation, that's where everyone is. There you go. I I love to use – I love to hike. And uh, I Mm -hmm. love to use the analogy that the valley is ugly but the peak is beautiful. And – if I was to take a helicopter to the top of Runyon Canyon, you know, I would be like, I would, it, it wouldn't feel as good, you know, but it's the hike. It's the part where you want to quit, but you keep pushing on, you keep going. Like, that's the beautiful part of the journey. The process is the beautiful part of it. It might suck right now. You're like, man, why do I have to go through this? But when you look back, you appreciate that time. So I appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, having to sell shirts out my trunk. I appreciate having to travel literally to different cities and do speaking engagements to 10 people, 15 people. Like, all of that was building up everything that people see now, right? And it's like my um, – I call it the gardener's mindset, right? You got to have that gardener's mindset knowing that it's like a gardener. You know, you you can't see what's going on beneath the surface, but you keep watering that seed knowing that one day, boom, that crop mm-hmm. will pop mm-hmm. up. And it's the same thing with your life. You got to keep watering and know that growth is taking place even when you can't see it. And mm-hmm. that's what I was doing for, you know, since 20, 2009. You How know. many years was that grind of like selling T-shirts, 10, 15 people maybe showing up? Probably, uh, I would say probably three years for sure. Wow. It was three years. Probably two to three years for sure. Yeah. That's like a thousand days. Yeah. Like that, I'm sure you look back. I, do you look back on that time? Yeah, I love it. And I, even I love to steal ship shirts personally because mm-hmm. it brings that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, I remember where I came from where mm-hmm. I looked at our order. We had ordered 30 shirts. My first where I was showing Shane and like it was like $150, which at that time was a lot for me. And now, I mean, it's thousands of shirts. Mm-hmm. But I love to still ship it because like, man, like this grew rehab time. Literally, the merchandise, like it kept me afloat. You know, I was able to pay for flights to go speak <laughs> here and speaking engage people. 20 people yeah. would show up. They would pay for my stay. Mm-hmm. And so when I look back, um, it just makes it that more that much more special. And I just hope it inspires people to like, you have to put in the work for it to work. You know, stop expecting, you know, just to get to the top of the mountain just by getting there, like climb it. And when you climb it, it teaches you something that nothing else could teach you. You know, it teaches. So now when I help people, I had to go through that process to be able to help people get through, through mm-hmm. theirs. And and you, people are looking at this and being like, oh, that must have been tough as a single guy. You had a family to take had care a family, of. family, yeah. And that's the thing, too, where I appreciate my wife. Maria so much and um, a lot of people because you know she isn't the face of the family well now she's becoming like a super influencer so she <laughs> might be right but uh, she's always been like my biggest supporter in this journey because she had every right to because I was I was an a-hole to her just to be honest when, mm-hmm. when Tristan when she was pregnant she had every right to kick me while I was down and be like haha you know my baby father is this she never did that and she always supported and believed and you know, always brings me to tears because I appreciate her so much. And now to bring it full circle, I told her, like, you don't have to work anymore. You know, you can, you know, be a stay-at-home mom, even though she doesn't want to be that. She wants mm-hmm. to influence people, which mm-hmm. she's doing a great job. And so that was very important to have that support during these times. Because if I didn't have her support, 
I wouldn't have been able to freely pursue Absolutely. what I'm doing right now. Absolutely. Uh, shout out again to everyone in the chat. Uh, I want to go to a question. Anna Marie Bold says, how did you get over your speaking shyness? Have you gotten over it? <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, so we got to look at the fear, right? So fear is the thing that prevents us from doing something, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is my thing of fear. I went skydiving. That's mm. basically how I got over it. And I'm not going to go into that whole story. But when I was in the air, I was terrified. And because I was like, man, I, gain, I do these leverage things in my life. Like I like to do things that I normally wouldn't do to gain leverage over other situations. Right. Mm. So skydiving was like, if I can do skydiving, which is probably one of my biggest fears, then I can use as leverage in other areas of my life when I'm afraid. Like I went skydiving. Mm-hmm. I can do this. So when I was in the air. I realized like the reason I was so afraid is because I had nothing but negative outcomes. Like, the parachute's going to not open. I'm going to die. And so I was like, wait, fear is creating a known result from a situation you haven't experienced yet. So you're basically telling yourself what it's going to be before you go through it. So when I got to speaking, I was like, you know what? Speaking's the same thing. I'm literally telling myself that I'm going to mess up. Nobody's going to care. They're going to be sleepy, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let me change that because you have the power to change that. So Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I might not be perfect. When it came to Scott, I said, this is going to be the most incredible experience. When speaking came along, I said, you know what? I'm going to impact a life. Whether it's if I miss all 99 or 1,000 audience, I'm going mm-hmm. to impact a life. And I changed what awaited on the other side of the door. And so that's how I get over speaking. And I give myself permission to not be perfect before mm-hmm. I step on stage. I give myself permission to not be perfect. And anytime I am nervous, because it does happen where I'm like, you know, uh, I, I realize this. I'm mm-hmm. focused on myself. I'm being selfish. I'm worrying about how I'm going to look, how I'm going to sound. And then I immediately say, you can't be a servant and serve by being selfish. So I focus on the audience. I say, just go out there, do you, be you, go be real, go be honest, allow God to use you. And literally that takes away all those nerves. Mm-hmm. And and nerves, it's good to have, I feel like, a little bit of nerves. you care. Because you can't, that, my <laughs> man, like, thank you. I tell people a lot of time, like, if you're not nervous, that means you don't care. Which, exactly. What are you doing? Exactly. And so it's like, you need to care enough. Well, I always say before the show and any other show that I host, you need to care enough to be professional. You need to not care enough to be yourself. There you go. That's perfect. I love because it. so often people will be like, oh, because then you're, you're not doing it for you. You're talking about, you know, the negative outcomes or a bad outcome or the watering. Sink or swim. Yeah. Two choices. Let's break that down. It's <laughs> yeah. a huge part of the book. How often were you sinking? How often were you swimming? Where did this inspiration come from? So, so I was I was doing a lot of sinking in my life. Um, and the inspiration came from that speaking engagement, but it even came from a deeper so I don't know if this story I don't think this story, this story even made the book. But um I was at a uh I was doing mud runs is when I was a twenty four hour fitness and we would do these, you know, mm-hmm. Spartan Beast type of things. Mm-hmm. And the first one we did, I didn't train for I was like, I'm a professional athlete, I got it. And literally, like, I couldn't finish it. And so I was like, the next one was like, man, I'm not embarrassing myself. I'm going to train. I'm going to go hard. So I go super hard in this mud run. I end up taking second out of our group of, like, 50 people who came. At the end of this mud run, it's a uh, it's a zip line into a lake. And I can swim. Yeah. But I was like, okay, cool. Went up there. And I didn't realize how far the swim was or how tired I was. So I, I zip line into the water. And as soon as I hit the water, no kidding you, I had, like, a full body cramp. <laughs> and so in my mind, I'm, like, panicking. I was like, I got to swim probably, like, I don't know, 40, 50 meters. And I can't. And so I'm like trying to be cool. 
because I don't want to be the guy out there drowning. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like I'm trying to be cool and I'm like asking for help. <laughs> like in a way like help, help God, you know? <laughs> If someone has time, yeah. can one of you please man, it's people who man, this is it's people who work there literally were just watching. So I was like, okay, maybe they don't realize that so another guy behind me jumps in, he's swimming, I'm like, help, help. He looks at me, and I guess he wanted a roar record time. He looks at me and keeps swimming. So I'm like, what? I was looking for him after too, but he left. <laughs> And so at this point, I'm like, uh, like tripping out, man. So I finally get to the point where I'm like, I'm like yelling for help, and I'm going in and out, in and out, as far as like under the water, up the water. And finally, man, like I thought I was going to die, like seriously. And I just said, wow. "You can sink or you can swim." In my head, and I said, "I got to swim. Like I cannot sink here. I, it's no, it's no other option. I got a kid. Like I cannot go out like mm-hmm. this for sure." As soon as I push back up, I see a guy jump in, and um, like everything on boots on and he jumps in and he's pretty much saves my life and um in that moment it taught me a lot like when you and i have another moment of in bali with my son same thing it's crazy Uh, the Mm -hmm. water it's been terrifying for me but i keep going back (laughs) in can't let it conquer me that's yes exactly and uh i just realized like you have to have it where sinking is not a sinking can be a op like you can sink but you cannot drown you cannot give up you cannot quit Mm -hmm. that cannot be an option and sometimes the only thing you can swim with is faith. Like, and that's mm-hmm. in life, period. And that's a lot of my story where I just, I swim with faith. I don't have understanding. I don't know where I'm going to go. So I'm going to keep pushing and eventually a breakthrough will happen because right before you break down, your breakthrough usually comes. And so all of the like positive messages that you have and like you're inspirational and you have quotes and stuff and you're talking about the sink or swim from this life experience and someone brought up in the chat, you know, relating to the movie Eight Mile where you're being open, yeah. you're just all all yeah. about it. Like, listen, you're going to tear me down. Guess what? I'm going to tear me down first. Yeah. Do you like, do you write these things down? Like when stuff comes to you when yeah. an inspiration or a positive or some thing happens in life? Do you write it down? Are you a notebook or? Uh, So a lot of my phone, Um, a lot of stuff I think like when it's super traumatic, like I, it just stays with me um but i'll write down ideas a lot um but like i'm an artist like i love music i love i used to love to rap and so i just love to be creative so if something comes to me i'm driving down the street and i see like a, a word it's like i don't know you know whatever and i'll write that down and i'll have that idea so yeah i definitely write down stuff for sure you probably have a bunch of stuff you're like waiting to, you're almost waiting to release it or waiting for i that have time. stuff in my phone literally from i go back and it's just random stuff like just and i'll just go back and i'll scroll and be like man that's like a great point and I'll just pull from that and create a video from it. What is the when's the last time that you sank? Because obviously, I mean, you all positivity. Yeah. What's the latest battle that you've experienced in life? <laughs> like the book tour, and I was like, <laughs> 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 no. Um, I would say twenty. I think it was twenty fifteen. Uh, I was in. Re- I was doing rehab time, and uh, I was. I was being pulled everywhere. Like it was problems with my team. It was. The world was pulling me. I was responding to everybody. I was traveling. I was losing myself. Um, I wasn't having any discipline as far as my habits that will keep me on track. And I got to a point where I wanted to quit, man. I was like, I don't want to do this no more. Like I was, I would literally speak on stage and cry when I got off the stage. Hmm. And I was feeling empty in what was supposed to fulfill me. And that's like the worst battle ever. And on stage, you're talking about positivity. Exactly. I'm fulfilling everybody else. So you feel fake. Exactly. That, I feel like imposter syndrome mm-hmm. in that moment. And then also it's like, I feel like there was nobody around, or and it probably was. I was probably just shut off to the world, but nobody around to pour into me. Hmm. And so I'm like, I'm giving all of this, but there's nobody there to pour mm. into me. And I felt alone. And I literally had to take a break from social media for like a month. And I had to regather myself and refocus my life. And that's when I dialed in even more and said, you know what? I'm going to be super transparent because I was trying to be perfect at that point. Like I couldn't, I wasn't really talking about my struggles like that on stage. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about everything I'm going through and uh, it freed me. 
Do you take social media breaks now? How do you handle the, all the world that's out there? Yeah, I don't I don't take many breaks, but it's just like I don't feel like the urge to be like, okay, I have to post today. Like I do what I want, you know, okay. and it's just like I want to stay consistent because I want to pour in a message in the people. But if I want to be off for a week, I'll just be off for a week. Mm-hmm. One of the big questions I love people is the, your definition of success. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, my definition of success is, is peace, period. You know, I, I don't, it's it's not any blue check or amount of views. It's literally peace. And that's where I strive for. And it's me also understanding who Trent Shelton is at the core. I haven't figured that out yet. And I feel really? like, no, nah, not at the core. I mean, hmm. I still think some things I need to unpeel and, and search, you know, certain triggers in my life that happen. I'm just like, why am I acting like that? And so I want to get to that person. Now, I've made a, a lot of progression, obviously. But I think that's a journey we're all on is uh, trying to figure out who we are. You know, and we've been programmed since birth, you know, and influenced since birth. And so I want to find out who Trent Sheldon is at the core with, like, no external influence. Do you take time every week or is that an every month thing? All the time. I mean, almost like a daily thing. And while protecting my peace, I'm in Mm -hmm. the trails hiking. That's usually when I do it the most. Awesome. The, The question that I love to ask, which I always wrap up with, in 50, 60, 100 years, people look back on your life and they're like, oh, maybe they're telling a friend. They're like, oh, Trent Shelton, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, have you seen this from Trent? And someone's like, who's Trent Shelton? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, he was blank. What do you want people to say? Two or three things, or is there one thing that stands out of like what you want people to say about your life? Yeah, I would say uh, he was the guy that really influenced people to be who they are. He was the guy that helped people understand that they are enough and if that's said about me, then I feel like like my mission is complete. Almost like you are helping people become the greatest you. That's right. And that's that, inside of you. And that's inside of you. Again, and you talk about, again, one of the best things about this book, you talk about purpose. And purpose isn't a career. Purpose isn't a job. It's nothing physical. Purpose is you. It's every single day. And I know you live this from having you know the 10 and the 15 people that you were speaking to. If you impact one person's life every day, it's a success. That's what it's about. Every single day. Trent, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate everyone listening, everyone in the chat. Make sure you go give this video a thumbs up. Make sure if you want to leave a comment or like or subscribe, go over. We're on Apple iTunes and wherever your podcasts are found. Leave a review. Not only am I seeing that review and it builds me up, but other people are seeing that. And again, that's what we're all about, wanting to spread that positivity in that life and your life and other people's lives. And again, the advice for a better life. You're not going to have you're not going to please everyone. You don't need all 30 teams to pick you. You need one team to pick you. So maybe if a team doesn't pick you, guess what? There's a reason for that. Is if there's another thing that we flushed out here, it's like there's a reason where bad things happen because it sets you up for that next thing. So it's okay. Things are going to happen. The rain's going to come. But guess what? After the rain, the sun comes out, and that's when the growth happens, and that's what's going to happen in your life. And I hope that's exactly what happened while you guys were listening and watching to this. Make sure you go follow Trent on social media, at Trent Shelton on Instagram and on Twitter, at The Popcorn Talk here on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can follow me after the show on Instagram and on Twitter, at The Only MC. A couple more episodes left in Season 5. We'll see you next time. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would oh, like to man. thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.